the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And this is Faith Talk 570 WTBN Pinellas Park and 910 WTWD Plant City. It's time for Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. The Church of Corinth consisted of people who once practiced sexual immorality, even of a perverse nature. Some were idolaters, some had been drunkards and thieves, and there's a host of other unsavory labels that Paul said they were like. But he said you were changed. You were changed. You were changed by Jesus Christ because you you no longer behaved this way. You were washed, sanctified, justified. You were converted to Christ, and that made all the difference in the world. Years ago, a co-worker who was having some problems with another co-worker told me something I'm sure you've heard before. People don't change. The old saying is that a leopard doesn't change his spots. And people really are unable to change themselves in any meaningful way. But God can and does change people dramatically. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today he's leading us into a fresh series of Bible lessons about reconciliation. Because He is holy and we are not, we can't be reconciled to God unless we change. Here's Pastor Steve now to share from Scripture about the change God works in us at salvation. Let's open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we want to take a step back this morning and look at a verse that at least start our study this morning off by looking at a verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature or a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, he says, new things have come. Now, I want you to know that this is without question one of the most important verses in all of the Bible. It is an incredibly significant statement Why? Because it tells us that we can all have hope since God can change us. Everyone here can take great hope and encouragement in the fact that God's word says that we can change. He can make us new creatures in Jesus Christ, which means that no one is beyond being changed, regardless of their sinful behavior. None of us need lose any hope and think that we cannot change. And really, no one understood this or should have understood this more than the Corinthians. Because before 2 Corinthians, what we call 2 Corinthians, Paul wrote another letter to the Corinthians. And I'd like you to look at that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And I want you to see and notice how Paul says the Corinthians have changed. They should have really, when they heard 2 Corinthians 5.17, they should have said, we know exactly what you're talking about, Paul, because we have been changed. In his letter, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning at verse 9, 
Paul says, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Paul is saying, do not let anyone deceive you. People who behave like that in a lifestyle manner where it's continual, where there's no change, there's no repentance. They are quite content to live like this, and they are characterized by this kind of behavior. They will not be in heaven. And then he says, an astounding verse, verse 11, such were some of you. He says, you Corinthians, many of you in the Corinthian church were just like this in terms of behavior. But you were washed, you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. The church of Corinth consisted of people who once practiced sexual immorality, even of a perverse nature. Some were idolaters, some had been drunkards and thieves, and there's a host of other unsavory labels that Paul said they were like. But he said you were changed. You were changed. You were changed by Jesus Christ because you you no longer behaved this way. You were washed, sanctified, justified. You were converted to Christ and that made all the difference in the world. And that is precisely what Paul is summing up in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. He says, what has happened to you, Corinthians, understand it's happened to me. I've become a new creature in Christ. He's changed me. Now, it's interesting that when Paul wrote 2 Corinthians 5.17, he actually was defending himself. He shouldn't have had to for the Corinthians. They should have understood where he was coming from, but he was defending himself because, as we've said for many weeks, false teachers had come into the Corinthian assembly and had told the Corinthians that Paul's behavior was abnormal, that Paul was not in his right mind, that Paul really was a religious nut, a religious fanatic. In 2 Corinthians 5.13, we said this, Paul, in defending himself, for we are not, for if we are rather beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are of a sound mind, it is for you. They accused Paul of being insane. They accused him of being irrational. They accused him of being insane because he, he lived to please Christ and to serve others, and that meant that he did some things that they couldn't grasp. He so gave of himself, so gave of his, of his life in a sacrificial serving way that they said the guy has, has gone beyond sanity. He is a religious fanatic who has crossed the line of sane thinking. And because some of the Corinthians embraced the views of the false teachers, Paul has had to defend himself. He is forced to defend his behavior. And he does so by explaining what motivates him and what makes him behave this way is the love that Jesus Christ has towards him. He says in verse 14, for the love of Christ controls us. That is to say that Christ's love for me as revealed in his death for my sins compels me and controls me and constrains me and pushes me and pressures me. It motivates me to do the things that I want to do. And if you look at my life and try to understand it, you must go back to the cross of Jesus Christ because understanding his cross forces me to live differently. He follows up in verse 15. He says, he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. In other words, Paul's behavior was explained by his gratitude to Christ for dying for his sins. Paul said, my whole life is, is just one big thank you, Lord, and I live this way because Jesus died for me. 
There's no sacrifice too great to make for him. And this meant, in a practical sense, that he he no longer served his own self-interest. Now he was committed to the interest of Jesus Christ. And what is it that Jesus Christ is most interested in? It's people. It's people. And so Paul understood that God had changed his view of people. And that's why he says in verse 16, Therefore, from now on, meaning from my conversion, from the point of understanding Christ's death for me, he said, we recognize no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, we now know him in this way no longer. What Paul is saying is this. In understanding the cross, I now understand how God looks at people. He sees them as sinners who either need Christ for salvation or as saved people who need to grow. In either case, I don't look at them from a worldly, fleshly standpoint anymore. I now see them as people who have spiritual needs and I lay down my life to meet those needs. So Paul said, one change in my life is that God has changed my perspective of people, but it's not the only change. He said, he's changed me in every area. I am a new creature. That's why there's sort of a crescendo here in verse 17 where he says, therefore, this is his conclusion based on all this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, not just Paul, but anyone who comes to to Christ, if, if they're in Christ, he said, you're a new creature. You're a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. God has made a new man, completely new man out of Paul. And what he did for Paul, he'll do for everyone who comes to him for salvation. Now, that's how Paul defended his actions. Though his behavior may have appeared odd to some, his selfless service to others in the cause of Christ was explained simply by the changes that had occurred in his life because of becoming a Christian. Now, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, those changes have occurred in you as well. You have become a new creature in Christ. You have been given a new nature. Yes, we wish that we behaved always consistently with that new nature. We don't, but we are new creatures in Christ. And that means that you have new desires, even where you fail to obey the Lord, you desire to. You have new attitudes. You have new uh, a new perspective on life, new goals, new ambitions, new loves, new hatred of sin. All of that has become new. It's not us. That's Christ in us. And what's more, you and I are not content to become new creatures in Christ and just enjoy that ourselves. We want others to experience that newness. We want others to experience those those changes. And that means that you are zealous to share your faith in the Lord. And what that means is you and I will be criticized just like Paul, because we don't keep this to ourselves. We must serve. The love of Christ compels us. Now, how did these changes happen to us? How did you and I go from being hostile and rebellious sinners towards God to someone who not only loves and obeys the Lord, but now we want others to love and obey him. We're not content to love and obey him alone. In other words, how did you and I become new creatures in Christ? People who can get criticized for our zeal and our fanaticism, just like Paul. This isn't an an isolated incident in Paul's life. This is the norm. This is the Christian life. Well, that's what Paul writes about in the final section of chapter 5. He's, he's going to reveal to us how it happened. Yes, he tells us we became new in Christ, but how did it happen? How could we go, we who are hostile towards God, now have a relationship with him in which we're new creatures in Christ? Paul reveals 
the, the theology behind these changes that have taken place in us. And he reveals it in verses from verses 18 and following. And I want to read them to you. We won't cover them all today. We'll just get into verse 18. But I want you to see Paul is explaining now the theology of change. This is the, the these are the theological reasons behind our changes. He says in verse 18, now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now, even a, a casual, just a, a surface reading of these verses ought to tell you the primary message. Even if you don't know all the details, you would know that these verses have to do with the theological concept of reconciliation. We know that because there's only four verses. He mentions the word reconcile or reconciliation five times. So when you, when you see a reoccurring uh, word or derivative of that word, you know that that's the heart and the theme of the, the writer's intent. And that is what Paul is trying to, to tell us. Not what he's trying to tell us, what he, what he actually does tell us. He, he is going to explain to us the theology behind our change, and it's found in the word reconciliation. Now, he's already told us about Christ's substitutionary death for us. He said that in verse 14. He said it in verse 15. But now Paul's going to take us a little bit deeper, a little deeper as he spells out the theology behind the death of Christ and how by his death we are able to enter into a relationship with God that results in a complete change in our lives so that we're new creatures. I want you to notice something else. Notice that Paul not only explains the changes that have taken place with the word reconciliation, but he actually tells us, he wants the Corinthians to understand that God has entrusted him with a ministry of reconciliation. That means to say that, that not only does Paul tell us what the theology of reconciliation means, but he, his goal in life, his commission is to tell others. He, in fact, he tells us in verse 18, the end of it, he says he's, he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, the end says he's committed to us the word of reconciliation. In verse 20, he says we are ambassadors for Christ. So Paul's intent seems to be that he's still defending himself to the Corinthians. Only now he wants them to understand that the reason he takes so many risks in his life and does things that may look irrational to others is because God has commissioned him to tell others about reconciliation. That's why. So he's doing two things here. He's explaining reconciliation to us. He's also explaining that he must tell others about this, even if it takes him in, uh, puts him in all kinds of risks for his life. Now, with this as our background this morning, we want to begin to discover the very rich and wonderful truths of what it means to be changed and reconciled to God. Next week, Lord willing, we'll deal with what it means to have a ministry of reconciliation because it wasn't just for Paul. We all have that ministry. If you know Christ, you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. So today, what we're going to do, we're going to look as Paul opens this section up, we're going to look at, at two truths about God changing us into new creatures in Christ. That's what Paul does. He gives us and presents two truths about God 
changing us into new creatures in Christ. First, Paul reveals the source of this change is God. And then secondly, he tells us the means of this change is reconciliation through Christ. So let's let's delve into it. The first truth that Paul presents about being changed into a new creature is this. The source of change is God. Verse 18. Now, all these things are from God. Now, these are just a few words. These are just this is just a a, a brief uh, phrase, a brief expression. But I want you to know that in this brief expression, this is a profound truth. Now, all of these things are from God. What a deep truth. And let me explain. He's just finished telling us that we are new creatures in Christ. Those who are saved are new creatures or we've been made a new creation in Christ. Now, Paul tells us that just as God is the source of the original creation of this material world that we live in, so he is the source of every person being a new creature in Christ. In other words, all the changes and the transformations that have taken place in your life originate from God. Now, all these things, all what things? All the changes are from God. That's what he's saying. In other words, he is the author. He is the initiator. He is the finisher of the fact that you have become a Christian. And all that inner transformation that has taken place in your life, it is of God's creative work. He essentially said the same thing in chapter 4 of this book, verse 6, when he wrote, For God who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. There's another statement about creation. Now, I want you to understand this is an extremely important truth to grasp because it, it reveals the absolute sovereignty of God in bringing about your conversion. It is also revealing that we have absolutely no ability to bring about any true and lasting transformation of inward character. We have no ability. We, we are unable, we are impotent to bring about any genuine transformation of character. You and I are capable of making outward changes. That's all. That's all. Outward changes, but we cannot change the heart. We cannot change true character. You became a new creature in Christ because God, if you will, recreated you. He recreated you. When Paul says, now all these things are from God, he means that it is God and God alone who has brought you to salvation and changed you. That's, that's the emphasis here. That's his message. You and I can never take credit for the changes that have taken place in our lives as a result of our salvation. We are powerless to make ourselves into new creatures in Christ. And I want you to look with me a few books down the road, Ephesians chapter 2. And I want you to see this because there are still some Christians who think that somehow they played a part in this whole deal. That they, that, that they really, yes, God, God provided salvation, but they figured it out. And I want you to see that it really isn't taught like that in the Bible. It is not like that. The Bible says salvation is of the Lord. It means from the beginning to the end. And we need to see this. We don't need to understand it. We don't need to understand how God's sovereignty cooperates with and works with human responsibility. But we do need to see what Scripture says about the sovereignty of God and your salvation. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, Paul writes, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins 
Now, the moment we were conceived, we had life, physical life. But spiritually, we were dead. We were absolutely dead. And dead people cannot respond spiritually. You could not respond to God just as a dead corpse. No matter what you do to that corpse, it's not responding physically. If you get any response, it's simply a reflex. And you, you are so scared, you'll just leave. But it's not real response. It's not real response. But he says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Paul said you were dead in sins and trespasses and you behaved like you were dead in sins and trespasses. You walked that way. You followed Satan, whether you personally believed in Satan or not, you still followed him. You certainly didn't follow God. You didn't respond to God. It didn't, it didn't matter what your view of God was like. You were dead, dead to him. Verse three, among them too, uh, we all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh. That means you did whatever you wanted. You didn't do what God wanted. You did whatever you desired to do. Indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. That's what we were. We were children of wrath. God's wrath was against us. We were children of wrath. Verse four. But God, one of the two of the most important words in the Bible, there's a whole sermon that D. Martin Lloyd-Jones did on this one verse called, but God, but God, meaning, but God intervenes, but God intervenes. You were like this, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgression, Christ loved us even when we didn't love him. And what he did, he made us alive together with Christ. And Paul mentions, by grace, you have been saved. And then he expands on that in verse eight. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And he means and through faith alone. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Now, what is the gift of God? Is it salvation? Yes. Is it faith? Yes, it's both. You didn't muster up faith in yourself. How did, how did dead people get faith? You didn't decide to repent in and of yourselves. How did dead people repent? You and I had no ability to respond to God. We were dead. God worked in our hearts. You have been saved by his grace, his unmerited favor through faith. It's not of ourselves because God gave us the faith to believe. And then he says and clarifies this verse nine, that it's the gift of God, not as a result of works. Works and a gift are two different things. Works and a gift are two different things. You work for something, it's not a gift. You give a gift, you don't give a bill with it. Otherwise, it's not a gift. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. If, it, if there's any human effort involved in our salvation, any, even faith being your human effort, then it is a work. And then he explains, for we are his workmanship. We're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. It is God who does it. He brought you to salvation and he's the one who continues to do that work of sanctification. And he says, these good works God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Listen, folks, it is all of God's grace. Salvation is of the Lord from beginning to end. I I remember that just before I became a Christian, I, I knew that my life needed to change. Didn't know how to change it, but I knew that I, it needed to change. I was a freshman at the University of South Florida. Uh, a friend began to witness to me, 
And I was, I was really interested in my friend's life because I, I looked at him and I knew I wanted to be like him, except I didn't want to accept Jesus. I wanted to have the peace he had, the love he had towards people, the, the calmness, the assurance, the joy I saw in his life. And so what I did is I tried to copy him. I just tried to behave outwardly like, uh, like he, uh, behaved and, um, I was just a, a big phony. It didn't come from my heart. I could make some outward changes, but inside I still had those rotten attitudes. I could pretend to love people, but inside I really didn't. But you know what? When I came to faith in Christ, when I came to faith in Christ, the changes began to occur because God had changed my heart. He gave me a new nature. I didn't understand all that at the time, but there were, there were legitimate, real changes and they continue to this day a love for people a calmness a joy uh, an inner peace all of that really changed it wasn't just reformation it was transformation why because it is jesus christ who works by his sovereign power to create us into new people that's a change that only god can make thanks for tuning in today to verse by verse with pastor steve kreloff of lakeside community chapel in clearwater florida To find out more about Verse by Verse, stop by our website, versebyverseradio.org. We have lots of previous broadcasts available for free on our message archive page, as well as giving information on the giving page. If you already help support Verse by Verse, we hope you know how grateful we are. The website again is versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. Today, Pastor Steve Kreloff has been sharing about who makes the changes in us at salvation. Next time on Verse by Verse, we'll consider how those changes come to pass. Deepening your faith. Sincerity is not what saves you. Jesus is who saves you. So may I ask you today, have you decided to trust Jesus as your Savior? These were hours of decision, and this is an hour of decision for you today. Faith Talk 570 and 910 WTBA. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.